Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello and welcome to the Robert Lane Creative Careers Podcast, the podcast about creativity and making a living in the arts. This episode of the podcast features a conversation with singer, songwriter and BBC Folk Award winner Greg Russell. We discussed various things including criticism, creativity, songwriting, working in education and the projects that Greg is working on. You can discover more about Greg at gregrussellfolk.co.uk and you can find me and my various projects at robertlaymusic.co.uk and on social media as Robert Lay Music. It would be fantastic if you could subscribe to the podcast, rate and review it and share it, because doing that helps other people to discover it in the future. Okay, here's Greg. Hello, Greg. How are you? I'm okay, mate. How are you? It's nice to talk to you. Yeah, I'm all right. Thank you. you, We're talking to each other the week before Christmas. It's Christmas Eve, a week today. How does that impact on you? Are you a stressed person or not bothered? How does it go? Um... That's a good question this year. Um, it, it's been sort of a running joke the last three years that um, instead of having Christmas at my parents, the family Christmas at my parents' house, yeah, um, we could have it at my house in, uh-huh. in Sheffield. Okay. And uh, that's sort of been laughed off as a ridiculous notion the last <laughs> three years. Uh, but this year I've, I've sort of been uh, demanded to put money where mouth is. So um, I'm actually going to have to do the family Christmas this year. I've oh, got um, one, one grandparent, two parents and a sibling at mine. Uh, so actually, on a, on a personal level, yes, this is this is the most stress that Christmas has ever been. <laughs> but um, on a on a, a professional level, uh, I, I'd never done a Christmas tour, so um, I'm not out gigging. We finished gigging on the fifth of December, and uh, I am currently doing a lot in schools. Where I, I'm sure we'll come to that on uh, a podcast about creatives. Yeah. But um, but that kind of stops. Thursday. So actually, you know, I've got a bit of a run in at it and, and I don't kick off again um, on a professional level till 5th or 6th of January. So actually, uh, on a professional level, no stress at all. On a personal level, I've got a turkey to deal with. Yeah, the ultimate stress. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and is that the way it usually is for you career wise? Because musicians, and it tends to be one or the other, isn't it? A manic Christmas of loads of shows or nothing whatsoever. How, is, is that usual for you to not be doing stuff around Christmas stuff? I think you're right in that if you're not doing a specific Christmas tour, you're probably not on the road. I don't know anyone who's sort of out just doing a normal show, as it were. And um, I have never done a Christmas tour, actually. I've thought about it. And actually, next year, I was asked to be involved in one, which I can't do. Um, But no, I've never done a Christmas tour. And so I think you're right in that that means there's not out gigging because... Um, yeah, there, there kind of doesn't seem to be any appetite for just someone going and doing their normal show. If, if sure. people are going to go out at this time of the year, I guess it's it's got to at least be seasonal. That's a new word, isn't it? It doesn't have to be festive, but it has to at least be seasonal. And uh, and that's not been me whilst I've been gigging, which which is fine. You know, that's that's um, I'm quite happy with it being like that. Or I probably would have done something about it by now. That's true. And there's always another year. Yeah, exactly. And also, I. It's been a busy year um, with lots of things and I knew this year was going to be busy as last year was and 
Oh, it's you know, I mean, it's been busy. I guess I've been in the fortunate position that I didn't have to like think that I had to go and do a Christmas tour or something like that because mm-hmm. I've been busy the rest of the year. And yeah, it's it's cold and it's a bit miserable, and and there's so much competition at Christmas. I'm, unless I really have to, I, I don't think I'm in the position where I want to be out touring at this time of year. Some people love it, yeah. Some people absolutely love it, and some people also make a fantastic job of it. Um, I'm not sure that that's me. So so I'm I'm quite happy not being on the road in December. Good. And will Christmas Day then? Will that be musical, family wise? Is that family like that or not? Uh, I come from a musical family, so th- there will be um, there will be lots of talking about music, i.e., music that we enjoyed listening to this year. And um, you know, where, when there will be music on throughout the day, there, there's always family Christmas has always had the CD player on throughout the day, and it tends to start with cheesy hits mm, uh, and 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 to descend into something far more highbrow. You know? <laughs> but um, but no, music will definitely play a part. Uh, having said that, we are not the sort of family to um, uh, drop everything at ten pm and get the guitars and violins out and have a play. <laughs> that that's not us. But it will be musical, yes. Good. Perhaps that's a good place to go back to then and talk a little bit about, if you wouldn't mind, how music and creativity entered your life. Uh, They entered my life because both of my parents were amateur musicians. So my dad was always in folk bands. When I was growing up, there there were guitars and uh, bass guitars and bazookis and banjos around the house because my dad played in folk bands. Mm-hmm. Um, and my mum has always sung in choirs. Um, so there was, there's always been music around the house. So um, that's how I got into it. You know, there was folk music because that's sort of what my mum, sorry, that's what my dad was playing. Yeah. There was, um, you know, classical music because, well, you know, in inverted commas, because that's sort of what my mum was performing. And it's also what my dad liked to listen to. Uh, and as well as both of those things, there was, um, a lot of well my, you know my dad grew up in liverpool in the 60s and 70s as did my mum so there was obviously a lot of beatles in my musical diet growing up fantastic and there was a lot of things like abba and things like that so i kind of had i'd say three prongs there was a classical prong which i was not remotely into and remain not into just mm-hmm. it's not my bag I, you know i can appreciate it but i would never sit down and go yeah i'm going to put that on um there was the folk music because that's the kind of social music of my family, I guess. That's where my dad was out playing. A lot of my parents' friends were made through the folk music scene. And then there was the popular music of my parents' generation because that's what they played in the car. Yeah. And then when I sort of got to high school and things like that, then you get into, you know, your mate's siblings, older siblings' record <laughs> collection. So that's where the jam and Oasis and um, Stiff Little Fingers and the Stranglers came in because that's what my best mate's older brothers and sisters were listening to so that's kind of that's they were the musical influences going in and 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 it was as i say a really musical family always music on Uh, my dad was played a lot in the house i used to love being played to sleep by my dad so there's music everywhere really and that's how i got into it i've got an older brother who um played the clarinet to grade three and passed with distinction and then gave it up so it was never kind of like we were forced into it we we both we both took to music because it was around and there were instruments around and and we were in a fortunate position where you know you know our parents would provide instruments for us yeah 
Um, but my brother dropped out of it fairly immediately and I stayed in it. That's mm-hmm. kind of, that's kind of how it was, I would say. Yeah. And how quickly then were you a performer? Um, if you ask my parents and people who knew us, they would probably say that I always loved showing off from an early age. I always loved singing the Beatles and things like that would be the honest answer to that. Um, again, t- t- my dad was heavily involved in the folk scene and, and there was, that was the social scene of my parents um, in, in the local area, just in the northwest area. In fact, pretty much just in the Chester area. And, um, and so I, uh, I would used to love to, um, I knew dad went out to the folk club every Sunday and I thought, oh, one day, you know, I could do that. Couldn't I? I could learn a couple of songs and go and perform. Uh, and I was having those sorts of thoughts probably earlier than it was, than it was sensible for uh, however (laughs) old I was to be, to be out on a school night. So I was slowly allowed to go to the folk club if there was no school on the Monday, i.e. before, um, before school holidays things like that yeah and i guess that would uh, this is a guess but i guess that must have just been about high school so what's that 12 13 11 somewhere around there i'd had piano lessons by that point and fell out of love with it so i i burned the piano and and just picked up the guitar and completely self-taught uh, and i learned just some songs with the help of my dad i guess told me a couple of chords and then i took it from there learn a couple of songs and then we'd start going to a local folk club and and just doing my two songs you know getting up and a very informal i guess open mic night is the best way of thinking of it for people who don't know what folk club is Uh, an open mic night where everyone plays folk music that was it really and i did my two songs and and then i i I did my first gig i probably would have been about 14 or 15 i I got half a night half a night at a local folk club so um you know i didn't just get two songs i got like six or seven songs (laughs) and i I guess i'd have been about 14 15 then that that's um probably not too accurate but i can't be far off (laughs) so that's that's when i started properly performing and then i slowly you know got the bug for it and i i'd never got involved in the school plays for instance in my Mm. early years of high school but by the time you know 14 15 later years that became something that i wanted to be involved in um not that i could act or still can but that didn't stop me you know so um yeah i started getting into it then i would say i'd say 14 15 is where i started to uh started to really enjoy performing i would say mm. and what would have been the songs and those two songs on the open mic night or the six songs on your half a night what were you playing is that quite traditional folk music from you? i i can tell you exactly what the first one was Good. it was meet on the ledge by fairport convention that's the first song i ever learned on yeah. the guitar and again that's because that was the music of what my dad was listening to and that's just the music that i liked again i was never had anything force fed it was just that's the music that was on because that's mm-hmm. what my parents like listened to and that's the music i picked up so i absolutely know for a fact a a, a a dashboard slamming fact that the first thing I performed live in the folk club was meet on the ledge. I couldn't even hazard a guess at what the second thing was, but uh, certainly in there, in those first songs was two out of three ain't bad by meatloaf. So, you know, it was a fairly eclectic, uh, it was fairly, I know that that was in like the first five or six songs that I learned. Cause I remember it, you know, it had a B minor in or something like that. And that, that took a little bit of thinking about, but um, it, it was fair. I, yeah, as eclectic as meatloaf and fairport can, convention is that's the sort of things that i was performing um less dramatically than both of uh, those original acts but uh yeah that that's the sort of things that that i was um oh god when i think of it like that it's, it's a strange way in isn't it but, um, <laughs> but that's the truth that's the truth 
Uh, um, were you writing at this point, or did that come later? No, that came much later. That and actually, to be brutally honest, that uh, I'd, I'd written a couple of things when I was the first band I was in was me and my best mate Connor. He played the keys. I played guitar and sang. Mm. Um, I mean, what's not to like about that? Right. And um, and. Uh, and we, we did write songs three or four, and we were probably again fifteen, sixteen that age. They were shite, um, and so I and so I didn't write songs anymore. Uh, and I probably I came back to it properly. I would honestly say in, in my early twenties, I came back to writing songs properly. Um, you know, because everyone has a go when they're fifteen or sixteen, and yeah. and I just I didn't sound. I mean, looking back on it, it's mad to stop because of this reason. But I didn't sound like the songs that I listened to. Mm. So so I stopped bothering. Uh, and then, as I say, it was probably early 20s before I realised, actually, no, that's not the point. So <laughs> it was early 20s before I went back to writing properly, I would say. Mm. And if you were to look at yourself now, then, what would be the – this is a rubbish question just people, but it's interesting. What would be the main thrust of what you're doing, or how would you describe yourself? Musically or, or generally work-wise? Well, let's do both. Could we say musically? I mean, are you approaching things as an in- – interpreter of traditional music or as a writer or as a mix of both or as a performer recording artist uh, i'm enjoying writing a lot more than than i ever did ever thought i would so so yeah and, and the last few projects i've been involved in has been as a writer you know someone who's been asked to go and write songs not to yeah. go and interpret songs so uh and i i don't find it particularly easy uh but i enjoy it so i would say that i am yeah, more of a writer now, certainly more than a writer now than I ever was. Uh, you know, not pretending for one minute to be the finished article, but I think anyone who does should have their fingers chopped off. <laughs> um, but uh, no, I enjoy it a lot more. You know, if you'd asked me that question four years ago, I'd have said I'm an interpreter. That's what I do. And I like working with traditional songs and I like finding interesting songs that other people have written, but no one else does, you know? Yes. Uh, and I still like, I still like doing that, but I write a lot more now. I do write an awful lot more now. And I'm less interested in traditional music and in, in inverted commas. I'm more interested in actually what I have to say. Yeah. Um, not, not that that makes it any more or any less worthwhile listening to. That's just what I'm interested in doing. You know, that's, that's not because I think what I've got to say is important. I'm just interested in putting it down on a page, you know. And I, I think, I think this might be this might be nonsense, but I think I'm still at a place where I'm making the music that I actually want to make. If that makes sense, I know everyone says that, but if I'd said that four or five years ago, it probably wouldn't be true. Hmm. That's interesting. Could you elaborate a bit more on that? Uh, I, I think. Uh, not that I, I think I just, you know, people always say, oh, you're very lucky to do music. You must love doing that. And I do, and I do feel very lucky. But I think if you are going to feel very lucky and, and appreciate it and enjoy it, then you've got to do what you want to do. And and there is, of course, a balance between doing what you want to do. And, and if you're doing it as a living, getting people to buy CDs and buy tickets. Sure. Of course, that's a balance. Um, and I think... I was a little bit less keen to experiment, so ultimately what I was doing was a little bit more boring years ago because I thought it was safer. And actually, I probably was doing safer stuff, stuff that would more easily sell tickets because you could say to people, oh, I do a, uh, I do a Martin Carthy song, I do a Dick Gockin song, and people go, all right, well, we'll book that. Yeah. 
We know, you know what, what I mean? that is, yeah. Exactly, exactly. And and I think if people know what you do, then you're more likely to get a booking. Uh, mm. But actually, I think at the end of the day, that probably wasn't what, what I wanted to do. And so when people go, oh, you must feel really lucky to do that, I go, actually, do I? So I think if any of that makes sense, I am slowly doing what I want to do. It does make sense. And there's a couple of things that would be interesting to pick up from that. Um Sort of looking at from the outside at your your career, you seem you had well, you did definitely have quite significant success. I would say quite early doors in terms of the well, maybe you disagree, but in terms of your the folk awards with Kira and those sorts of things seem to happen fairly soon. I guess you'd been doing stuff before that. I think that's really interesting, and I, I think I mean we we can discuss awards till the cows come home but i certainly think the reason we got so many bookings early doors yep. and we actually didn't find it hard to get into folk clubs is because um we were doing enough material that people knew yeah that's sort of what i was i was looking to pick yeah, up on really yeah absolutely absolutely and and that's not the case now um and we didn't in, i don't I, I wasn't doing them because I thought people would like them. I was doing them because I loved the songs. You know, I never did mm-hmm. a song that I didn't enjoy. That that's not that's not. I'm not pushing it to that extent of things. Yeah, but it was almost, I guess, the I, I wasn't confident in my writing. So instead of kind of it sort of putting out this half baked idea, I could go, well, actually, I love that song. I'm going to do a version of it. Yeah, and you'd go to a folk club, and people would go. Oh yeah, I know that song, and and people like what they know. You know, you you know what you like, and you yeah, like what of you course. Know. Uh, and so that that abs- I would say uh, that absolutely not that it was a conscious choice. Like if we do these songs, we'll get a book in. It was never that. Yeah, but it it definitely helped. You know, it def. I, I'm I, I'm almost one hundred percent sure it helped get us in in those early days. Yes. And then does that provide a level of um, pressure in the sense that you've got to live up to that? No. not live up to it i mean in in the sense of you this is working when we do this so in order to maintain the bookings or in order to keep the audience that we've built happy then we're gonna to have to continue in that room no because i think the confidence was there with the stuff that we were writing and the stuff that we we're arranging and the stuff that we were building together that we got to the point where we went oh actually no this stands this stands up against that stuff you know i'm not yeah you know, i'm not saying that i've you know, it just that no, and if and if we got to a stage of confidence in ourselves and in everything that we've done, and like with the projects that we've put that I've put together and helped put together, things like Shake the Chains, that you know that was an evening of completely new material. Yes, and I think got just got to the stage mentally where you go, actually, this is strong enough, and and I'm now at a stage perhaps because you've got you can't really do that when you're starting out because you just won't get anywhere. Or, you know, you've got to be really brave to do it and you're starting out. I'd kind of got to the stage where I went, A, I've got somewhere, so some people are going to turn up. Mm-hmm. And B, I've got the confidence that this stands against, you know, this is good enough. This is good enough for someone to go and pay their cash to listen to. Yeah. Um, so I think those two things coalesced and go, well, no, actually. And also, there's only so far you can get doing other people's material. Uh, I think, you know, if if you want to, you know, all the most successful people, I think, you know, are, are doing something original or doing their own thing. Um, you know, how many, how many, it, you know, how many world famous tribute bands are there, you know, mm-hmm. as opposed to how many. So I think, I think those three things that we had the conf, we, we developed an audience. So you, you had people to go and play to the confidence in our own material and 
we wanted to make the next step. Yeah. We actually got to a lot of, you know, I heard a lot of people say to us and behind our backs that if you want to go to that next level, you've, you've really got to be doing your own thing. You know, you can't, mm. you can't do a night of someone else's songs. We were never doing an entire night of someone else's songs, but you know, we had to kind of do our, get our own thing in there. If we wanted to be seen as having taken things to the next level. Mm, that's interesting. And then it, it sounds as if actually that your audience, then you'd built up enough goodwill with your audience. And I guess with the, the bookers as well, that they, I, I think that's they right. wanted you to take that next step as well, which is, I, which is what yeah. you know. What else could you want as an artist? Actually, it's like having a commission almost, isn't it? Yeah, I think that's right. I think that's right. You'd mentioned the transports there as well. It's like quite striking in your career that collaboration is something that you seem particularly interested in. Yes. How does that come about? Are you initiating those projects? Are they things that you've been invited to do? Yeah, a bit, a bit of both. Yeah, a mixture. Um, so, shake the chains, which was a uh, for, for a simplistic boiling down definition, was a. An evening of was a an evening of polit- original political songs on a range of topics. That was something that uh, was sort of my brainchild, really. Uh, something that I'd studied the relationship between politics and social change at university, and I wanted to go and do something practical with that. So, um, that, sorry, between music and social change at university, and I wanted to go and do something practical with that. Uh, and, and that's how that grew. That's how Shape the Change grew. So, yeah grew from a seed in my head and with the help of um a couple of very helpful people along the way probably most notably neil pearson we made it into a touring project but it, it was my idea essentially and, and it was my starting thing things like the transports and um war and peace which was just done with doncaster and um well i mean and then going being asked to play in like nancy kerr's band you know mm. I, I was just asked to go and be involved I, I had nothing to do with so there's and there's two different things there i guess there's um being asked to go and be playing someone's band i.e nancy uh and then secondly um uh you know the transports which was which wasn't you know someone's band as it were but but i had no role in creating it really i was just asked to go and be a hired voice basically and i and i loved it and it did two great tours and actually in many ways it remains some of the highlights of my career i would say uh, and and i'm really happy to work in both ways to be honest I, I, it's nice to have your thing you know that you've built and you can put your name to and say yeah that that was my idea and i mm. saw it through from start to finish and it was successful and it's, it's nice to have those things in one's life i think but i'm also really quite happy to um just go and be a hired voice and and if someone's if someone's asked me for, to go and sing something then then I would be delighted to go and do that and you can't say yes to everything yeah um but there's you know I've been absolutely delighted to go and be involved in things like the transports and and playing Nancy's band and um and I love collaboration because uh, I think in the arts you learn most on the job like anything really i guess i heard um is it stephen graham the actor i heard a fantastic thing he said the other day about acting and him getting into acting he said well it's like anything you know like if you're a painter and decorator or if you're a plumber the first wall you paint is not going to be the best so so why would that be the case in music you know just go and give it a go and and i think you learn best on the job in the arts so you learn best when you're out doing gigs when you're writing you know when you when you you hone in your craft as with anything and and 
and you learn from people you know you whether again whatever job you do you learn from watching other people do that job of course sure. you have some ideas of your own but you learn from how other people perform you learn from how other people write you learn from you know you just learn from working with other people mm -hmm. Uh, and and I love that. And I think if I'm going to get better at what I do, then I've got to work with lots of different people. And I say you don't say yes to everything or, you know, not many people do say yes to anything. But I've been lucky that I've been asked to be involved with really nice things. Um, you know, do I want the transports? You know, do I want to go and sing with the Younguns and Faustus and Rachel McShane and Nancy and, and work with a storyteller who I've never done that before? Well, yeah, of course, that sounds great. So... And I'm going to learn a lot from that. I'm going to learn a lot from others. And I'm going to learn a lot just generally working in a group. So I do really like collaborating. Um, and I I would say I, I, I probably say yes to more stuff than some other people would mm. because I like I like the collaborative process. And do you sign up to the idea that you, in order to improve, you should be working with people who are potentially better than you are? If you can, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, like Kieran, Kieran's whatever he means it or not. Like Kieran's one of favorite, especially at the start, uh, the fiddle player, violin player I play with. Like one of the things that he always he always used to demean my musical skill. Um, I was and it's like, well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, why wouldn't you want to play with better people? Mm. It's no fun. It's no fun being the best in a team. I don't think. Absolutely not. Why on earth would you want to be in that position? Um, mm. So yeah, I, I, yeah, and and I've never felt. Again, I was reading a fantastic thing not so long ago about um, imposter syndrome. You know, I, yeah. I've, and and actually, I, and when I reflected on it, I've probably got actually, no, I've I've not I've not suffered from that because there's definitely been times when I've been asked to be involved in things. The transports was case in point actually, where I thought everyone on that roster is so far ahead of me in career standing. Yes. What on earth? What on earth can I add to that? And actually, I've gone. No, fuck it. What? What's the worst that can happen? Yeah. Like I, I can sing. So, and that's all I'm being asked to do. So, what's the worst that can happen? They don't ask me to do it again. It mm. turns out that we did two tours, and I was on the second tour as well. So, I, I'm a big believer in working with the best people you can. And that's not to say, and that's not in an arrogant way of turning up and going, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm at the same level of these people. That's not the approach that i've taken i've taken the approach of i just think i can learn so much from those people so why wouldn't i give that opportunity a go yeah especially uh, if you've been asked as well because it's obvious that they've seen something in you that they think is worth oh yeah amazing. and 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 i don't think I've ever, just like the flip side of that is i don't I, I don't think i've ever gone up to someone like you know i've never i'd never i'd never i'm just not the sort of person who if i saw a project like the transports touring i'm not the sort of person to send an email and go you need me. me yeah you <laughs> me well, uh, i know if i'm not involved in this <laughs> um that that's not what i'm saying uh i'm saying that there's been times when i've thought oh god that seems a bit beyond me but sod it why not i'm gonna learn something what's the worst that can happen so yeah i, I think that kind of sums it up it's interesting because i spoke to quite a few singers for this and it always surprises me how many singers don't um don't rate themselves that well as singers and you sort of could be quite surprised by that but one of the things that comes up is somebody was saying to me that as you've just said about the first wall you paint is probably not going to be that good 
something to do with music and I think particularly singing. So when a, a kid sings for the first time, it's quite easy for those around to be like, oh no, you're not a singer, don't do that again. I had I was teaching a guitar lesson to someone who was in their 50s and we were talking about singing. And he said he hadn't sung since he was in the school choir when he was about eight and the teacher had walked past and said, stop, you know, that, that sounds horrible. And hadn't sang for the rest of his life. And it's like, why, why do we have that? Why do we think that a singing is a music but particularly singing is a natural thing that you should be good at and if it's not there straight away then it's no good however we know that even people with natural talent need to work on it and develop it for it to be good all the time yeah yeah that's a fascinating point and i, I don't know where that societal trend has come from i i, I guess that somewhere this this thing is kind of built in the um the like I guess in the people who do well in the arts, you know, they're referred to as superstars, aren't they? You know, like, yeah. uh, and and you very rarely hear, um, again, just to use the the, the example, painter decorators described as superstars. It's kind of like <laughs> this this uh, wherever it's come from. I guess that there is this kind of division that the arts is kind of seen as you have or you haven't, and yeah. the, and there's there's an element I think of there is a, I think there must be a slight element of that. You know, like. I could I could try for here on to the end of my days and um, probably not develop a perfect sense of rhythm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There's, I, I might be wrong, and, and I'm sure a psychologist would probably tell me this is nonsense, but I suspect even if I devoted my life from here to the end of my days to developing a perfect sense of rhythm, i.e. To, 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 for 60 minutes or whatever, I couldn't do it. I honestly think that's the case. But I also think that um, there's loads of very successful and, in my opinion, very, very, very good songwriters, musicians, artists, whatever, who have produced their best work much later in life Mm. after doing it for years. Now, there's some people who you always go, oh, the earlier stuff, how good was that? No, not so good, the the last stuff. But I think there are loads of examples of, of, you know, people and just doing different stuff as well later in their career. Um, You know, not necessarily better or or worse, but different stuff and and stuff that they wouldn't have come to if they hadn't had all of those formative experiences. Mm. So I think you're right in saying that, that that people do go, oh, you can't sing, which is nonsense. And I would agree with that, that, um, you know, that everyone can sing. Despite, it might take a long time to learn, but everyone can sing. Uh, so I don't, I don't quite know how we've arrived at that. I don't quite know how we've arrived at that. It's interesting, but, uh, isn't it? Because it's not like you give a kid a guitar, and if they have two goes and can't get much out of it, you take it off them again. So you're not, yeah. you're not going to be a guitar player. But there is something about about. This. I think it's it's supposed to. It's be really natural, sad, isn't it? It is because uh, it's. You, you can get a lot of pleasure from it without being good anyway. That's, well, and that's exactly. taken away from people. And exactly. also the, the potential of getting better is taken away if you're not going to do it again. It's like swimming, yeah. isn't it? You might never be a, an Olympic swimmer, but the ability to swim is great. Um, yeah, exactly. And and I think, you know, and that, I think it's a really interesting thing about existing in the arts is that, and it is clouded by, you know, if you're trying to make a living from it or if you're mm. not, but, and this is kind of what I was referring to, I think hinting at earlier is that it's finding that place where is the art a means to an end or a means in itself, you know? And, uh, and um, there's some really popular art, which is technically brilliant, 
and there's some really popular art which is not technically brilliant and mm. I, I just think it's all so blurred and 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 it, it's a really hard especially when you're working within it i think it can be really hard to mentally find to mentally find your place yeah um in yeah and with sort of the stuff that you're making the stuff that you're putting out there as a representation of yourself i think that's it and it's taken me quite a while to to accept the idea that as good as something is not everybody's going to be into it and it's kind of it's a business thing as well you know not everybody's going to be your customer so you yeah could, exactly you could make the best toilet paper that you could possibly make but somebody's still going to prefer another brand and it's yeah. not that they don't think you're any good it's just they prefer the other brand and for some reason with creative things i kind of always wanted it to be like i want it to be that nobody could possibly say this was no good but then of course they they can they can say that they don't like it and a sort of yeah. experience for me recently is working in some as you mentioned working in schools and stuff um one of the schools i've been in recently doing a, a band project not a band project <laughs> a project about bands yeah. and um we play them some music and stuff and they pretty much routinely hate everything we play to them at the start of the <laughs> session because yeah. they're, they're 11 or 12 and if they haven't heard it before, they don't like it. And if it's not in the style that they, they know, they don't like it. And the things that they'll pick on straight away is that the guy, he, he can't sing. And you're like, this is one of the greatest vocals ever, but it's yeah. just like, but it's so easy to dismiss something if you're not into it. And, and then you come away from that and think, well, actually, that's that's fine. That's good. So somebody can hear my stuff and not or whatever I create and not be interested in it. It's not a reflection on me. It's just a reflection on they're not my customer. Get rid of yeah. them and move on to somebody who might be. I guess. Yeah, I think that, I think that is. I mean, that's a very very healthy mindset. I think it's taken uh, some taken a while though yeah. to get to it. it yeah, yeah, it is, and that's what I was going to say. Yeah, it, that, I mean, if you can get to that point, brilliant. And but I, I can only imagine the amount of people who have tried to do what art is a living and have fallen mm. before that hurdle for the, all the reasons that you say that um yeah you you have got to be a bit skit, sit, thick skinned but then i guess you know there's loads of people yeah i mean if you if all of a sudden you you know you went and watched everyone at work and you went right mm. if you do it well if i objectively think you've done this well i'm going to give you a round of applause whatever you're doing <laughs> and i'm going to sit and i'm going to watch you um you know, and I just think the nature of performing that, you know, you kind of stood on a stage and, well, it's performing, isn't it? You know, yeah. you've, it's, um, it's a weird world. I don't know if it's a particularly healthy world to exist in because there's just, it's just an emotional night minefield, you know? Mm hmm. Um, because of all that stuff we've discussed, you know, you've got someone saying, oh, you're rubbish when actually what they mean is I'm not it's not. Yeah. And, and it can be really hard to have those conversations and get that message across. Yeah. Um, you know, it, I'm a rubbish mathematician and that's just true, but you know, talking about mathematics is so different to talking about uh art and creativity and and for that reason i, th I think it is a really really uh, i think it's an emotional minefield um and and how you get to that place of no i'm comfortable with what i'm doing which by the way i, th I think i'm finally very comfortable in saying that uh how you get to there is i think a lot of trial and error mm. Yeah, I think it is. And it's, and then the problem is, as you were talking about earlier, once you are comfortable somewhere, 
you start to get in that feeling of am I doing the right things now? Because <laughs> because yeah. there's, there's that Bowie quote, it's something along the lines of as soon as you feel that you'll you know what you're doing, you you've got to stop and change, and you know move on to something else. Because it's only when you're in that element of feeling a bit unsafe that you're going to create anything worthwhile. Yeah, exactly, and yeah, exactly, exactly what we were talking about earlier. So and you got to be prepared to fail as well, like the the not having the danger of failing and performing anything creative but i guess particularly performing is quite quite yeah. dangerous I was, I was thinking as you were talking about performing it's like it's it's quite cheeky really to stand up there and demand of people that they give you their attention yeah <laughs> that, and that's what it is isn't it so then you've got to be prepared for the the, the attention that you don't necessarily want i guess as well i'll tell you what's been brilliant for that for me is that um is that I've over the last two years I've sort of fallen into educational stuff, all in the arts, you know, all doing creative writing, creative whatever it is. But it's all been in the arts, but creativity, and that's not um, as a teacher. It's working for various separate arts organisations. Yeah. And um, what's been I think really helpful for me is, and I've done that a lot of that over the two years, and actually over this year it's probably well, it's definitely taken over me being a touring musician. And it's it's made my life easier, you know, in, in lots of ways, really. But it's also been really good that um, if I've gone and done a gig and thought, oh, we didn't really get that. Yeah. I've gone, oh, I'm not really doing many gigs anymore. I'm a I'm an arts educator. And then if I've done a workshop, I've thought, oh, it wasn't that great, that workshop. I've gone, oh, yeah, but I'm a gigging musician. Oh, yeah, well, that's fascinating, and I've, yeah. I've kind of got this, like, mental trick on myself that be, a kind of, and I hate this word because it makes you sound like a management consultant, but as I've kind of expanded the portfolio of stuff that I do, yeah, it kind of feels like it's given me a safety net and I feel braver to go and try different things. Yes. Because I think, oh, if that didn't go well, well, I'm doing these other things. It's okay, <laughs> you know. It's all right, and it's kind yeah. of, and 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 you know, like I look back on, I look back on the workshops I gave two and a half years ago. I think, fucking, hell, that was dreadful. Did I really deliver that? Um, and and you get better at things. I think you look back at things, but that has definitely helped. Just kind of increasing the stuff that I do has in a, has given me kind of a, a bit more of a mental solidity to what it is that I do. And actually, I think as it kind of sounds weird, actually, that the more I've done, the more certain I've felt about each of those little parts. You kind yeah. of think that oppositely, you know, you'd be spreading yourself a bit thin. Too thin. But it's just given me kind of, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm obviously not. I'm not also being a painter decorator. I've not gone that broad, but you know what I mean? It's kind of, it's just kind of, they all kind of just all solidify each other a bit, I think. And um, yeah, I think it just takes the pressure off performance and, and you know, the the bottom line at the end of the day is if you're trying to do this as a job, then it also takes the pressure off a little bit of, Oh, I've not got as many gigs this year as I had last year. Am I, am I going to be able to, pay my bills and put mm. the heating on and, mm. and eat so and i think all of those things those creative things economic things are all tied up in the arts in ways that they are perhaps not in other um fields mm-hmm. and and that was a long rambling answer i don't know if any of it made sense no that was great and i it's very interesting to hear it as well and it sort of 
I have a similar feeling about things. When I, I do a few different things, and I remember when I was at uni, and, and one of the lecturers talking about portfolio careers, and having no clue what she was talking about, <laughs> and then all of a sudden being like, "Oh, that's what I'm doing, isn't it?" And I had those fears at first of being like, "Well, I'm going to keep the fact that I teach people to play the guitar. That's completely different from being a performer, because anyone who saw me as a performer needs to think that's that's my legitimate thing, and that's what I do, you know." And then working in schools well I've got to keep quiet about that because but then you think well no actually it's the same thing it's just communicating with people um, and trying to give value to people in whichever way you, that you do things and they all feed into each other which I think is what you're saying being a better um, workshop deliverer makes me better at performing music and being a better performer might make me a better songwriter and yeah. as you say like each of those things that I've stepped into, there's a bit of me. I was I was doing some acting work a few years ago, and I was like, well, I'm not really an actor. These are the ones I'm a musician, really. But then I've had positions where I've been a musician, thinking, well, actually, I'm not I'm an actor, really. Which makes you feel a bit insecure, but also gives you permission then, as you say, to sort of fail at stuff. Yeah. Because you've not got your be un- be all and end all in tied in that one thing. Um, yeah, I think that's right. I used to worry though that it, it it was being spread thin and it would be a jack of all trades, but then. I think it's always kind of been like that for performers and creatives, but I think it's getting like that for everyone anyway. Like, aren't we looking at the majority, not the majority, but a significant amount of people being freelancers and self-employed in the future? And those, you know, lifelong jobs that people used to do perhaps don't exist in the same way or won't do in the future. So everybody's becoming yeah. a freelancer and having a portfolio career. So if all the, the normos in the proper jobs are, then, you know, we're going to be doing it in the arts as well, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And you're broadcasting as well now. How long has that been happening for? So this is Radio BBC Sheffield, isn't it? Yeah, BBC Radio Sheffield. I've been doing that for about 18 months. And again, I just completely fell into it. They were looking for uh, a couple of new people to present, present a couple of new shows. And um, yeah, I just fell into it, basically. Um, so yeah, and I, and I love it. And again, it's, again, it's just something I love doing. And, and I, I also feel about things like, you know, when the, the radio opportunity came up, um, it, it doesn't owe me anything. You know, I completely fell into it by chance, by luck, and I've learned so much on the job. I've learned so much about broadcasting and about research and about all that stuff. Uh, and I just do my best and I love it. And I'm, uh, I feel very, very lucky to get the chance to do it. I do my best. I love it. And if they turn around tomorrow and say, that's it, not happening. Mm. And I go, well, it doesn't owe me anything. You know, I've loved it. I've learned a lot. And and again, I think just that portfolio th- idea is just mm. kind of allowed that to, to creep in a bit to my thinking. Um, but yeah, I do. I love it. And and, and if it, if they turn around tomorrow and say it's not happening, then they do and, and so what. But um, I've learned so much doing it and I love doing it. And it just came out completely out of chance, right place, right time. And uh, yeah, again, it's just something I've fallen into doing and, and I love doing it. And that's presumably giving you a lot of opportunity to, um, although I guess you didn't need this, but to sort of communicate with a lot of people on the circuit as well. Yeah. And, and again, and just, yeah, I love, yes, I think that's right. Yeah. And it, oh, it certainly put me in contact with new people, definitely, and new avenues and um uh yeah and it, it makes it easier to you know talk to certain people because i do interviews for the radio and things mm. like that so i say oh can i interview you you know and and so yeah it does it definitely put me in touch with other people as well I, I would agree with that yeah cool can we talk a little bit about then um a few aspects of creativity so in the simplest terms if you're writing a song how does that work are you 
uh, waiting for inspiration to strike? Are you writing when you need to? Are you writing for a brief? How do you approach it? Different or different things. So there's been some of the things where I've had a bit of a brief, like on the Doncaster War and Peace project uh, that we did. Yeah. Um, and Shake the Chains. Uh, there was, you know, a brief that sort of it was the Doncaster project. It was about First World War in Doncaster. So, that, yeah, that was a brief. Uh, Shake the Chains. It was vaguely political about issues affecting the world today. So I, I have written to a brief, and I quite like that in a certain extent, to a certain extent, because, uh, you know, I, you know, writing a song, it's like, oh, well, what can I write about? You know, mm. you can write about anything. So it's kind of nice to narrow the parameters straight off, I guess. But also, I, I, you know, I am, I do just write for myself as well, as it were. Um, and if the muse comes, I've decided to write something. So mm. a bit of both, yeah. And and I and I like both. It's again, it's nice to work in different ways. So so I do like sometimes writing to a brief. I also like uh, writing for myself, as it were, and just writing whatever comes into my head. Uh, I'm a big believer in the more sort of ideas you have about a topic, the better the song's going to be. So increasingly just jotting things down wherever I can, making notes in a little notebook or making notes on my phone. Yeah. Um, or, you know, again, if, if we're writing to a brief, as much research as you can, you know, as many ideas as you've got on a topic, you're going to have something to put down, I think. So I don't know. And is it a lyric-led approach? Do you just start uh, words or is it they arrive together, words and tunes? Um, yeah, good point tend to start the words i think mm-hmm. um and and then but also mess around and i'll i'll just sort of be sat down and mess around mm-hmm. with um with tunes really and i'll just you know sort of be messing around on guitar and a tune will will come out i guess and then i'll have that in the bank and and then i might be writing some words as well and i might try and put them together or i might sit down with with a page of words in front of me and sort of sing them and just see what comes out on the guitar Mm-hmm. Um, but always, it's always, it's never like, oh, I've got a tune, I've got a words, so let's put them together, or I know how they they always mold and they always change over time. Even if I've written a song and you know it's two years later, I might change the tune a little bit. So yeah. there's lots of things tied up with it, yeah. And is it always guitar, or would you write on other instruments too? Uh, write a little bit on the piano. I used to play a lot more piano than I do now, um, so I write a little bit on the piano and. Um, yeah, but yeah, it tends to be guitar. I used to play a bit more concertina, but I don't anymore. So yeah, it tends to be guitar. So yeah, it tends to be writing on the guitar, I'd say that. How do you approach um, being aware of what other performers or other artists are doing? Are you are you aware of what others are doing? Do you compare yourself to where they are? Or is it a spur to lead you on? Or does it not matter? Uh, I don't know. I think, I mean, I, there's certain artists that I love and I think, oh, I wish, I definitely think, oh, I wish I could do that. Or, you know, I wish, I really like what they do. I think, oh, I wish I could write like they write. You know, I really like what they do. Um, so I don't know is the answer to that. I, I mean, does it affect what I do? I don't know. I try to sort of create the music that I want to create. Um, so it doesn't affect me in that way. But I, I, I really do love other performers and you know i love folk music so i like listening to what other folk musicians are doing mm-hmm. and some of it i really love and um you know i've got no qualms with going up to people and say i love what you do and there's other stuff that i don't 
you know, it's just, as you said earlier, it's just not my bag. But yeah. I, I think I try not to compare myself to other people. I mean, I definitely do go, oh, I love what they're doing. I wish I could do. But I try not too much to compare with people or, you know, compare audience size or things like that because I just think therein lies insanity. <laughs> and, and career stuff as well. So you're like, well, why have they got that geek? How, you know, why are they doing that? Yeah. Festival? That stuff. Yeah. Is, I think it's fairly natural, isn't it? But it, it it's not hurting them, is it? <laughs> if you dwell on that stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I just, yeah, I just think, yeah, it, comparison in the arts, I think therein lies insanity. And how about, how about criticism then? I mean, uh, again, looking in from the outside, it would appear that you've had a very um, happy relationship with critics and that kind of thing. But I'm guessing everybody has moments where someone says something they aren't thrilled by. Is that something that's bothered you over time or not? Yeah, I think, yeah, and I think it's just about getting to that place where you're kind of happy in what it is that you're doing. Um, And, yeah, happy in what it is that you're doing. And and there will always be, you know, I think there will always be the odd thing that's said or, you know, or or, or even again, you know, it can be a, a gig that didn't sell as well as you thought it might or as well as you would have liked. And it does give you a bit of a knock, and I just think it's, yeah, it's about just finding that place of not taking everything too personally and things like that. And and I think this is interesting for people listening in then and people who might be starting out. Um, does that still happen then? Do you have audience you know, gigs that aren't as attended as you might want or or shows that don't go quite so well for whatever reason? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and I think also it's really helpful when people are honest about that uh, in the scene as a whole. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, definitely do gigs still that you know you think oh you know i thought there might be a few more people there than that or stuff like that or didn't quite go as well and i think actually yeah in, in reference to the other point that can be really hard then when you know you may be looking at someone's tour social media and it yep. looks like it's the best tour in the world and there's loads of people at every gig and all that sort of stuff so yeah i guess that could be a little bit difficult but um yeah i i, I think yeah it's just about trying to get to that place where it's like okay yeah whatever yeah and that's i think social media does have a part to play in that doesn't it because generally and it's it's music but it's everything in life people are only wanting to put out the very best aspect of themselves aren't they Um, and that was one of the reasons to that i wanted to start doing this and have these conversations really was because everybody has difficulties and everybody has moments that don't go quite so well and you shouldn't be frightened of them don't be afraid to fail and it's easy to say that (laughs) but sometimes those situations come along and you you know i I guess experience yeah, partly is dealing with that isn't it is accepting how you feel about it and just carrying on anyway yeah no i think you're absolutely right and and i think it's it's easier if yeah you know if people are um are honest about it and things like that mm. and say yeah you know yeah that gig didn't go as well as it could have done or there were less people at the gig as there could have been and it and it is hard but um yeah i think i think that's fair to say how has the circuit or has the circuit changed in the, the the years that you've been working on it um in terms of are audiences different um has technology made things different yeah i think uh, social media can be a big help because it can really help get people to gigs um it can really really help get people to gigs it also adds to that slight you know oh is that person having the best tour in the world yeah sort of feeling so it, it's a double-edged sword i think um I, we're doing less i guess our you know doing less in things like 
we're doing less in folk clubs and more in sort of theatres and art centres. Mm-hmm. So that kind of changes your experience of things a little bit more, I I suppose. And is that a different audience or is it the same people who are at the folk clubs uh, but more? I think of it's some of the same people, but I think it is largely a different audience. You know, folk clubs tend, tend I mean, you do get sort of visitors and things like that, but I think folk clubs tended to be sort of people who went to the club every week or mm-hmm. they attended that club and maybe not a lot elsewhere. Um, but yeah, I think, um, yeah, I think, so that's changed a little bit, but, um, yeah, I think, yeah, it is a different audience. That's true. Um, but that's, that's kind of the big change, I guess. And and just that I'm more doing less on the road and more of the sort of educational stuff would be, um, would be my comments on it really. But I I guess the the scene is changing that there is, there is more and more sort of young people in inverted commas listening mm. to listening to folk music, but they're listening to it in different ways and at different places. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's I think that is changing. Yeah, and of course, traditionally, and I would guess for for you when you particularly when you're starting out, the the folk audience were buying the CDs. That was a big part of the circuit. Uh, and I've spoken to a few people who are saying, yeah, that still happens, perhaps more than it does in other circuits, but everything is kind of moving online um yeah have you noticed that has that been a, a difference recently yeah and and i also think that the way people release music is going to be a lot different as well mm-hmm. um you know there's i feel i just feel like it's going less to physical cds and and you know spotify is a complete you know things like spotify streaming services i think you know can be a real help in one way and and can also make things really difficult in another way mm-hmm. so yeah i think things are just changing i mean society's changing and and the internet is at the heart of that for so many different reasons um uh, and yeah it will definitely change the scene there's no two ways about it and are you positive about that do you it's in do you think that's a positive thing because i it's a sort of mix when i talk to people some people are kind of mourning as as things were um other people are looking to embrace the new opportunities i think things change and um i don't think there's any great point in fact things change and um yeah things change and it's that's okay and they they call it progress don't they and i don't Mm. know if it is progress but things will always change and and if we want to go with it, then we will. And and if we don't, we don't. But I, I, I kind of don't see the point in just trying to stay exactly where we are. I mean, the the internet is massively changing everything, as I say, and and there will have to be changes and moderations. But um, I don't know what that looks like going forward. Mm, it's going to be interesting to see that. Yeah. Okay. Great. Just give us a bit of a um, idea of what you're going to be up to in the early part of 2020. <laughs> Early part of 2020, uh, there's a Greg Russell and Kieran Algar tour in March, April and March. And then uh, in January, I'm touring this project called Field and Danny, which is Danny Peddler and I, which is songs that started out about just Lincolnshire, but it's largely now um, about sort of 21st century Britain, really. And we use samples of interviews so throughout the songs, and we're going to get them in the live performance as well. We kind of, um, there's there's literal people voices who we interviewed coming out. And there's also a lot of factory machines involved as well because of how we uh, provided sort of rhythms as well because of how we went about the project. So that's touring in January. Kieran and me in March and April. There's some festivals with the Tweed Project and things like that. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, just lots of educational stuff as well. Fantastic. And painting some walls, getting better at doing that as well. 
There are some that need doing in my house, actually. Well, not before Christmas, though, hopefully. You haven't got much time. No, there's not. No, there's no time for that before Christmas. And if people want to find out your projects and see what you're up to, what's the best way to do that? The website is www.gregrufflefolk.co.uk. There's Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all the usual nonsense. And, uh, yeah, Google Greg Russell Music tends to work. And, um, yeah, that's the best place to find me, really. That's fantastic, Greg. I really enjoyed that. There's a lot of interesting stuff there. Thank you very much for taking the time to talk to me. Thank you. I hope there's, uh, yeah, I hope that's okay. And uh, it's lovely to talk to you. And thanks so much for having me on. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed that. See you next time on the Robert Lane Creative Careers podcast. If you could subscribe to the podcast, share it, like it, comment on it, review it, tell all your friends about it, all of those things would be fantastic because the more that people do that, the more that new people get a chance to hear the podcast, join the community and enjoy the content that we're putting out. You can find me at robertlanemusic.co.uk and I'm on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram as Robert Lane Music. Please get in touch, let me know if you're enjoying the programmes and who you think I should talk to in the future. Thank you, till next time, goodbye.